This is Yona Weiss, business director at Madison Specs, the largest cost segregation company in the country. Uh, come and learn about cost segregation. Investing is totally different when you're getting all those tax deductions and maximizing your returns for yourself and your investors. And if you want to learn more about it, check out Sam Newell's podcast, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, Yona, thanks so much for being on my podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. Thanks so much, Sam. I appreciate you uh, reaching out. and It's my pleasure joining you. Absolutely. Well, hey, um, I'm really excited for today's topic, and I'm really excited to get nerdy with you like we were just talking about and talk about taxes and saving money. And man, when, when we look at a deal and, and I talk to investors about a deal, the returns are always going to be good, but the tax savings can be absolutely game changers. And so that's one thing that I'm just really excited for. But first, tell us about what you do and kind of what your background is. Sure. My background is actually in teaching. I spent about 15 years as a teacher. It's really what I love to do. I have six kids. So teaching is just part of my part of my daily existence and okay and but at a certain point in time every teacher has to think about how they're going to put food on the table because right <laughs> because teaching is is not the most highly paid profession out there although it's an enjoyable one and I, I love it and i would go back there if i could and i probably will at a certain point but i wanted to you know find a branch out and, and find some other way and real estate kind of just came my way i had a lot of friends that were involved in real estate in one way or another so first, I kind of just wanted to learn the business, learn the ropes, learn all about commercial real estate in general, and got my realtor's license and wanted to, you know, kind of learn it so I could do investment properties and that kind of stuff. And I didn't really know what I was doing at that point, but like I said, it was just learning. Did a little commercial mortgage brokering, okay. uh, working with a friend of mine, a small boutique firm. And, you know, again, just learning the ins and outs of commercial real estate. At a certain point, I met up with this incredible company, Madison Commercial Real Estate Services, uh -huh. and they have a you know the largest cost segregation company, 1031 Exchange, number of services, and I, it just kind of fit with what okay. they were looking for, with what I was good at in terms of teaching and being an educator, and this kind of complicated topic, I immersed myself in, learned from the experts, you know, the, the staff in the company who've been doing this for decades, and you know, took that skill and that ability that I'm able to just, you know, kind of learn complicated topics and, and give it over and teach it to, to others in kind of a simplified manner. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and so for our listeners, what is a uh, high level, very simplified version of what you do? Very simplified is depreciation. Okay, cost segregation is like a really weird name that the IRS gave to an advanced form of depreciation. So everyone knows if you own a property, a business or investment property, not your personal residence, but any other property, you take a tax deduction. The IRS actually allows you to take a tax write-off 
every single year based on the purchase price of that property the day that you bought it. And yep. so it's, a, it's over a long period of time, but what we do is in advanced form, it's called accelerating depreciation. So we're able to segregate out the cost, basically break down the property into different categories that depreciate at faster lives. And that's called sort of like component depreciation. It's breaking it down and saying, mm -hmm. hey, the cabinets or the carpeting depreciates on a five-year schedule. I can take that as the value of those objects as a tax write-off over five years instead of the entire building over 27 years. Right. So that's, in a nutshell, what we do. It's an engineering-based service. So we have engineers in-house that actually go to the property, take all the measurements, the details, understand what's going on in the building, and they're able to break out everything into tiny components and therefore depreciate them faster, get you faster tax deductions. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's so much better. You know, most of the time we're not going to own a property 27 years. I mean, it's very rare You know, our business plan is 10 years. And honestly, if the market's doing right. really, really well, we're going to sell it before then. So right. we want to take advantage of that depreciation. So, and then we 1031 it and we go into another asset. And, and first of all, carpet doesn't last 27 years, <laughs> you know, neither do water exactly. heater. Neither do ACs. And, and so what the IRS did, my understanding is they just had to make, give us the ability to depreciate. They had to make it simple. So they said, okay, purchase price over 27 years. That's what you get. Right. But what you guys do is a much more advanced, intelligent, and much more beneficial service is breaking all those items down. And we can take that lump sum up over one to, one to three to five years, right? Exactly. So that's exactly what we're doing is the IRS is kind of incentivizing people to invest in real estate and creating a system that really this is the correct way of depreciating your property. Right. This is the real cost recovery system of the assets. Like you said, a carpet doesn't last for 27 years, lasts maybe for five years. So the IRS said a carpet lasts for five years. You should be writing off the value of that over a five year period. And guess what? When you replace that carpet after five years, you can put the new value of the new carpet on the books and depreciate that value over the next five years. So it's really kind of the intuitive way to take those tax deductions. However, the IRS didn't really come out and say, you have to do it this way. Right. Okay. Which in, uh, you know, in the words of Tom Wheelwright, the great book, tax free wealth, you know, paraphrasing his word, paraphrasing his words that he said that CPA, you know, the, the U S government, knows that because of the laziness of taxpayers and, and or their accountants, you know, this will just cause more revenue for the U.S. Treasury. So they didn't go out and say you have to do cost segregation to take more deductions. Right. But the smart investor is going to say, I'm making money. I want to be able to save as much money as possible. Absolutely. Well, and, and a good example, I was just looking at a deal in Albuquerque and we, we actually had, they had an estimated, you know, in the offering memorandum, they actually had a uh, cost seg guy go out there and just give an estimated deduction. Mm -hmm. And instead of over 27 years up front that first year, he was estimating $3.2 million in write-offs. Right. And, you know, if, if I have these high net worth, high earning investors, if they can take that depreciation and if they invest a hundred thousand and get 60,000 in write-offs or whatever it, it worked out to be that first year. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It, it counts towards their, their, you know, their 
passive income. If they're a realtor like me who owns investments, they can mm-hmm. take it straight to their earned income, which is huge. Absolutely. So that's something you know we should probably clarify because it does. It sounds like too good to be true. <laughs> but for someone who is, like you said, a realtor, someone who's considered a real estate professional, mm-hmm. which is someone who's a broker, a realtor, and you own properties as well, you can literally take these deductions to offset not only the income of your properties, like everyone else, but you get like a golden ticket that says you can now can use this against all of your active income as well or, and your spouse's income, which is incredible. So anyone who's investing in real estate passively, but also is a real estate professional is really where you're going to get most, the biggest bang for your buck. Um, However, and you know, you got to point this out. This is not for everyone. If you're not a real estate professional, you're going to be limited to the amount of deductions you can take because it's only going to be used to offset the income from your property. So yeah, if you put in hundred thousand dollars, you may get an eight thousand, ten thousand dollar return that year. Right. But guess what? You're probably going to have enough write-offs, eight, ten thousand dollars of write-off, so that the entire amount of your investment <laughs> is going to be tax-free. Thank now, you what for other type out. of yeah, what <laughs> other type of investment vehicle out there do you know of that you can put in money, get a return, and now that return is not going to be even taxed? Yeah. My, I think we need to have my business partner's dad listen to this episode. We were talking to him yesterday and or I guess my business partner was, and he was getting ready to put a bunch of money in the stock market. We're comparing returns between the deals we do. And he's like, well, I can get a six to 8% return. And we're like, first of all, it's not even close to what we can do. Right. Second of all, just tax write-offs. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like every deal we do has amazing tax write-offs plus the, you know, all the rehab now as of, I think it was 2017, the tax code changed any money we spend on rehab is a tax write-off as well. So there's a double whammy right there. Yeah. hundred percent. So, well, cool. So, you know, we're buying an asset or trying to buy, I mean, Freddie Mac isn't making it easy since the coronavirus shutdown. Um, trying to buy an asset in Cincinnati. So we're paying, I think 14.6 million mm-hmm. just off ballpark off the top of your head from past performances. Do you have an idea of what, a typical asset like that, you'd be able to write off that first year. Right. So it's good that you point out because, you know, past performances do not uh, <laughs> dictate right. the future, future. Performance. Every property but, is different. Exactly. And every property is different. And cost irrigation, the most amazing thing about it is, is unique to each property because every, you know, the engineer is going to go to the property. He's going to find the, what's the square footage of it. What, what each unit, how many units are there? What's the unit breakdown? What's in those units? Right. You know, Everything's going to be different. And the landscaping, which landscaping, land improvements, which includes landscaping, parking lot, you know, pavement, asphalt, fencing, all the kind of retaining walls, that kind of stuff depreciates on a 15 year schedule. So you can accelerate that as well, depending on the type of property. Typically it's usually between 20 and 30% of wow. the, of the purchase price is going to be put into a faster category. So if you take your 14.6 million, first we're gonna have to uh, subtract a certain amount for land. So I'll just do a quick calculation. Uh, Land does not depreciate, okay? So land, let's say we'll take off 15% for land. Okay, that's still leaving you with about $12 million of what's gonna be depreciated. 20% of that, again, it's about 2.4, $2.5 million of first year tax write-off if you take the bonus depreciation route. If you don't, you know, or can be even more than that, but that's just a very conservative estimate. Right. You know, it's 20%. That's incredible. So that's if amazing. you have, <laughs> you know, you put down, let's say, uh, you know, two and a half million, $3 million uh, 
of you know investors' money. The rest is being funded by the bank, by Freddie, yep. Fannie, hopefully one yep. day. And <laughs> you're getting literally a tax rate for that entire amount in the first year. Yep. It's just it's incredible. Huge. It's amazing. And, and so if I'm a 5% owner in that deal, I get 120,000 back in tax write-offs. I mean, huge, that's right. uh, amazing, amazing. So th that's why we do it. And, and when I, so on, on my, my background a little bit, I've been selling real estate for 10 years investing. And, and th about three years ago, I said, you know, I need to get into a different asset class or help my investors get into a better asset class. I was selling them a lot of duplexes and fourplexes. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's got to be something that's more scalable, better. So I really researched multifamily a lot and I found nothing can touch these investments because of cost segregation, that's right. because of the economies of scale, because they're non-recourse loans and just the returns are better. And so that's, what's really exciting for me is taking these investors who are, they really can't afford to do a cost seg on a duplex and fourplex. And maybe you can help us understand why that is. But for sure. what my understanding is usually the savings just aren't enough on a duplex property to justify the cost of doing cost seg. Absolutely. And like we mentioned before, it's a percentage. It's a percentage thing. So if you think about, you know, the scales of things, if you have a million dollar property and 20% you're taking as a tax write off, even less than that, because let's say you're taking off for land value, land doesn't depreciate, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at per million dollars of property, you're looking at, you know, between 150 to $200,000 of extra depreciation in those first five years. Again, you can take that all in the first year. Now, right. when you get down, you drop it down, you're looking at a single family or a duplex or a fourplex and it, you know, costs 200,000, 300,000. It's a fraction of the, the value. Therefore, it's going to be a fraction of the write-offs. Not only that, but because you have more units, you're going to have more personal property Right. in those units, which means the personal property is the stuff that depreciates at a faster rate. All the, you know, all the appliances, the furniture, uh, 282 unit building is going to have 282, you know, kitchens, dishwasher, There's a lot, yeah. dishwasher. Yeah. The cabinets, the countertops, all that stuff has value to it. That's going to be written off at a five year plant, a five year scale. Whereas a duplex just has two. Okay. Right. So there's going to be less and sure it's maybe proportional to the asset. So, right. Your duplex is $200,000 and your 282 unit is $14 million, but still there is a scale there that yep. doesn't equal up, which means on a, on a large multifamily property, you may have 25, 30% of reallocation to faster lives on a duplex. You may have 15% just yep. because of the amount of, of what's in there and the scales there. So uh, my usual rule of thumb is anything over a half a million dollars, okay, $500,000, it's definitely worth looking into. Okay, Got less it. than a half a million dollars, it's probably not gonna be worth your while. Okay, there is a fee associated with getting a full conservation study done. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a one-time flat fee based on the scope of work involved, but it is a fee and it's probably, you know, minimum a few thousand dollars, which means, am I gonna spend a, you know, a few thousand dollars to get you know an extra thirty thousand dollars of tax write-off, okay, it doesn't really make sense. And you know, some people may say, "Sure, why not?" But again, taking a tax write-off is not a check in your pocket. It means you're able to reduce your taxable income with those write-offs, but it's not giving you a refund necessarily. Right. So you have to obviously look at this in your entire tax picture, plan it with your accountant, and see if it's uh, best for you. 
I was going to say, if you're a, a high, high earner and you've got a three, $400,000 duplex, it might make sense. And if you're, maybe if you're a, a realtor and you can take it towards your earned income, it might make sense under half a million. But what I found with working with people's CPAs is usually it doesn't because it, it's about sixes, you know, about evens out mm -hmm. the cost versus the savings. But maybe you just hate the IRS and maybe, <laughs> maybe you just don't want to pay the IRS money and, and you just say, hey, I'm going to cost seg everything. Who knows? You know, I, I know you, you wouldn't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's not, it's not about hating the IRS. It's, it's why would you want the IRS to, to take money that is rightfully yours? And this is something I want to, you know, kind of yep. touch upon because people think that, and especially those of us who have worked in corporate America, have a preconception that taxes are something that are just a norm. You, you make money, you have to pay tax on it. Right. Now, when it comes to real estate, and, and it gets deducted from your paycheck, even before you see your, the money you make. Yep. In real estate, it doesn't work like that. So in real estate, you make the money, you have to, you know, you have to claim you know, all the money, the income that you've earned, and on your tax return, you also list the deductions that you have. And you have expenses and deductions, and depreciation is one of those, after all is said and done, there are ways like this strategies that you can literally have more deductions than you have income and create what's called a paper loss showing like you didn't actually make money when you have, you know, boatloads of cash. Right. Okay. So it's a paper loss. It doesn't, it means you're actually making money. You're just not paying taxes on any of it. Well, that is the big difference between real estate and everything else. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think the motivation behind why the government allows it is really important for people to understand. The government does not want to provide millions and millions of units of housing for people. They can't. And they know that we can do a better job. Entrepreneurs can do a better job. It'll cost less. And so the government says either we can pay for all the apartments in the United States, mm -hmm. or we can give these investors, these entrepreneurs, a tax write-up and a benefit and incentive to keep providing these, this, these housing units. And that's great. I think we do a better job and, and I think it's a win-win for everyone. Absolutely. Well, so let's get back. So you said you, you got into real estate. You wanted to get into commercial real estate. Right now you're actually in Palestine. I want to know a little bit, or you're, excuse me, you're in Jerusalem. <laughs> you're in the, I just had a guy that was in Palestine recently on my on my podcast it was really interesting hearing his perspective because he goes to palestine he goes to jerusalem all over israel and it was really cool hearing someone who has a phd in that area talk about traveling there and all the different places to visit so do you go back frequently or, or tell me a little bit about that yeah so currently i'm actually stationed here i've been, okay. been living here for a number of years i work remotely for you know amazing company based out of New Jersey. So okay. it's really given me this whole COVID thing, which is people are kind of reallocate, re, re acclimating themselves to a new reality of remote work. Yeah. You know, for me, I've been doing it for years and I travel, I travel back and forth uh, several times a year. So that has put in a little downpour on, on, on that aspect of the business, going to conferences and, and, right. you know, speaking engagements and things like that. But it's wonderful. I mean, it's a different country, a lot of nuances, to living here. And I actually got involved in the, the commercial real estate business here as well, oh, which wow. is totally different than, than America. And there's a lot of different cultural differences as well in terms of doing business. So I choose to, to stay in, uh, in the States in terms of 
<laughs> stateside in terms of my investments. Got it. Just different of, uh, laws and different ways of doing, doing deals, huh? Exactly. Many, many different things. Banking is not very favorable or as favorable as it is in the States. Uh, taxation okay. is not as favorable. Just dealing with, you know, simple things like brokers and, and there it's, it's a totally different system. And um, unfortunately I didn't find much luck or, you know, success in, in working here. So I just found more success in, uh, in working in the States. So that's why I choose to, to kind of focus on that remotely. Okay. And did you grow up in New Jersey? Where'd you grow up? So I actually grew up in Southern California in, oh, really? uh, yeah, the sunny San Fernando Valley. Okay. Very nice. That, so I lived in New Jersey and I would say the people in New Jersey versus the people in Southern California, probably the most polar opposite <laughs> mentality as far as easygoing versus a little bit high strung. What would you say? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. So awesome. having, having lived in, in many places and, and those included, I, I have a much more balance towards the California, you know, aspect upbringing in me in terms of the easygoingness, but yeah. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, geez, I think our listeners, I mean, we're going to have a lot of people buying these multifamily properties um, this year, as soon as coronavirus is over. So mm -hmm. what is the best way to go about starting a, a cost segregation study? I mean, I know quite a few of our partners use you. Should they start calling you a month before they close? Should they call you when they close, call you after they close? What's the, what's the best way to start there? Sure. So our company, Madison Specs, we're actually the largest national cost segregation company you know, working in all 50 states. One of the things that kind of differentiates us and really any conservation firm should be doing this, but, you know, reach out to get a free estimate even before you decide to do it, which is going to be most educational in terms of allowing you to see what exactly am I getting myself into? What are my benefits going to be even before I start the process? So that's the first step. A lot of people okay. reach out to us even before they're, uh, you know, they close once they're under contract in the property just to see, yeah, I want to pitch this to my investors. I want to, you know, show what are some of the benefits and one of those benefits might be the conservation study, you know, so we'll go ahead and run a free estimate and show you what your potential tax savings are going to be. At that point, you know, once you close a property, you don't have to get it done right away, but it's best to probably get it done in the mm -hmm. first year, especially if you want those bonus depreciation deductions, which are only eligible in the first year. Tell us a little bit about that, because I don't think our listeners know exactly what that is. Sure. So once you get a cost segregation study done, and you have the engineers come to the property, produce this whole report, what ends up happening is we create, like I mentioned at the beginning, a broken down, an updated, advanced depreciation schedule, which shows you that there's certain things that depreciate on a five-year basis, certain things on a 15 year, the structural components of the building on a 27 and a half year build, uh, schedule. But the IRS came up with this new rule a couple of years ago in the, in the recent tax reform, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that says that anything that depreciates less than 20 years, okay, so all that stuff that we already just identified in the cost study with five year or 15 year, all that you can choose, you can take an op option, basically it's checking a box or creating, you know, a depreciation schedule based on this, 
to take all of that in year number one. It's called 100% bonus depreciation. And so that's what we talked about, we alluded to before about mm -hmm. the first year tax deductions being so massively huge. That's by someone utilizing the 100% bonus depreciation. Once you do that, like you said, you, and you can choose to do this, you can only take that bonus depreciation once you've identified what those assets are with a conservation study. But right. once you get that done, you can you know, create that depreciation schedule that reflects that and again, take all those deductions in year number one. Awesome. That's huge. And that's yeah, huge. It's a, it was literally a game changer for people because even if you create more deductions than you have income, which is really the name of the game, mm -hmm. if you you know, making all the money and, and not paying taxes on it, even if you don't, you don't lose it. Okay. It just carries forward with you. You can use it next year. You can use it any year after that. So it creates like this imaginary bank account that just kind of goes with you as you go. And you can use those in the future when you need them. Yeah. And, and we tell investors, you may have five, three to five years of tax-free returns with us. I mean, Absolutely. if you're getting an 8% return, you may get 8% on your money for the next three to five years and not pay taxes on it. Because at the end of the year, we're going to send you a K-1 that says, hey, sorry, you lost a bunch of money this year. <laughs> you know, right. you didn't actually lose it, but exactly. It shows that you give this to the IRS and, and send me a thank you note, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and so that's what people don't understand when they're looking at the, the stock market or <laughs> these other investment vehicles. Yeah. You may get eight to 10%. If you're really lucky, you may get double digits, but no tax savings. You know, you can't do that cost seg on, on your Apple stock. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. And so people should, so what you were saying is people can reach out to you, get a free estimate when mm -hmm. they're buying the property. Right. And then, you know, what we've always done is just as soon as we close, we have you guys out and, and have you get that done. You know, we're remodeling usually anyways, we're, we have a bunch of down units. And so we might as well get, you know, another contractor or you guys in there to, to do that study. Typically, how long does it take to get someone out there? Let's say our 282 door facility that we're trying to buy right now. How long would that cost seg study actually take to do physically? And then how long would it take you guys to complete? So we usually, you know, again, we'll send one of our engineers out there to the property. It usually takes a couple of weeks for us to schedule one of our engineers out there to get there. And then the whole study usually takes about four to six weeks, you know, from beginning okay. to end. So we'll, we'll turn around. We're actually working currently on, on streamlining that process creating some software to help make that process a lot faster. You know, currently we have people reviewing it manually, you know, four people on our accounting team, everyone you know, reviewing their studies, but creating uh, some sort of software, something we're working on right now to, to make that to the point where we can even get it done, you know, in a week's time. Awesome. Awesome. And so with that, um, the engineer who goes out, does he need to see every unit or does he just need to see every floor plan? So in multifamily properties, you only need to see one of every floor plan. So right. each type of unit you'll need to go in to see any common areas, you know, mm -hmm. all the, the perimeter of the, of the property is going to walk and, you know, see cause it's taking all the land improvements and all the measurings he's going to do at that point. But yeah, in multifamily, it's unique as, as opposed to like an office or a retail property where the engineer will actually have to go into every unit or suite, which, you know, oftentimes be totally different. The build out is going to be different. So the findings is, is going to be different. Got it. Ran random question for you. Do you know which asset class, maybe retail versus commercial, you know, what type of commercial asset class gets the best or the most amount of deductions? There are two that jump out at me when talking about that. Mm -hmm. The biggest one is a golf course. 
Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about all these assets being, you know, accelerated, but a golf course is pretty much all land improvements. Okay. Yeah. Again, we said land doesn't depreciate, but the land improvements do. So all that landscaping, you can literally have 70 to 80% of the property considered land wow. improvements on a golf course, which means with the bonus depreciation, you can take that all up in year number one, Interesting. Uh, which, which is huge. The other, the second one is, which is similar, are mobile home parks. Okay. Uh, and specifically mobile home parks where they are all tenant-owned homes. So if you are okay, yeah. buying a park and essentially, you know, the tenants own all their, their trailers or their mobile homes, whatever they're called, and you're essentially just owning the park, which means the land and the land improvements, again, the same concept. You own the pads, the concrete under each home, but you don't actually own the home. So this is... This is something that a lot of you are taking advantage of right now because, again, mm-hmm. you can have upwards of 50%, sometimes even up to 80% of the actual purchase price allocated to those land improvements on mobile home parks as well. And so as bonus depreciation is concerned, I mean, just think about the numbers. Buy a million-dollar asset, you put down $200,000 on it, let's say, and mm-hmm. the first year you get a $500,000 tax write-off. It's just, it's incredible, the power of, the, of this That's huge. That's huge. I'm selling a mobile home park with my business partner, Michael, in California right now. But I think it's, it's only, uh, we're selling it for seven fifty, dollars So it might be worth it. I'll have to give yeah, you info to my, my worth, buyer. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. But again, it can't hurt to get a free estimate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Very, very true. Always. Well, cool. So mobile home parks, golf courses, I would have never thought. And I don't know anybody that invests in golf courses. Maybe I'm just not, I don't know the right people, but very interesting. If, if someone has a huge year and there's a golf course for sale, would you say 70 to 80%? Oftentimes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what would be the next two or next couple asset classes after that? I mean, where does multi-family multi-family asset classes? Yeah. Multifamily is, is definitely in the mid range. Okay. okay. Cause again, we're talking about 20 to 35% of reallocation higher than that. You know, you might have certain types of uh, assisted living facilities, okay. um, nursing homes, those type of things, because again, there's a lot of equipment, a lot of the furnishings, uh, the beds in each room, all that has a lot of value to it. Um, and those are going to be a lot more. I have one of those for sale for uh, 9.6 million as, as a broker right now. I need oh, wow. to get you in contact with that client as well. I'm, I'm sure they haven't done it. This is the craziest deal ever. The, the partners that kind of came up with the deal, they got booted from the deal because they were taking money out of the deal when they shouldn't have. So the oh, builder wow. wound up with his assisted living. He has no idea what he's doing with it. Wow. And um, I've got it for sale because he doesn't want to run it. So I'll have to get you in contact with him as well. Sure. And, you know, depending on where it is, I might know some, some buyers because uh, it's overpriced. (laughs) (laughs) They, they overbuilt it, but it's the nicest assisted living in Salt Lake and that amazing location. It's just going to take the right buyer with the right vision and deep pockets to to buy it. But it's, I mean, they spared no expense. Every unit has its own HVAC. Every room has its own HVAC system. Mm -hmm. I mean, just amazing, gorgeous. I'll send you the link after this, but but yeah, so, so assisted livings, I, that's, that's interesting because I do know quite a few investors in that space. Right. Yeah. That's a really big one. I'd say a little more than multifamily because again, all the, all the equipment, all the furniture, right. you know, in, in your case where you have the HVAC in each room, something like that, each, you know, uh, normally the HVAC system when it's the main HVAC system is, is going to be considered structural. 
-hmm. Therefore it will depreciate on a 27 year level or 39 year, which, you know, doesn't give you any advantage from the conservation perspective. However, when you're talking about individual HVACs, those actually are considered personal property. Those are considered non-structural and therefore the value of those are going to be more. So it's those type of things in assisted living where you have each individual room has its own, you know, electric system, has its own intercom system, all those kind of things have uh, a lot of value to it and can be accelerated. Got it. Cool. Very good. Very cool. All right. Well, any other last explanations, tips, words about cost seg that you want to share with our, our uh, listeners? I would say don't think twice before looking into this, do not assume that your accountant is doing this for you. A lot of people think, Hey, this is tax related. So my accountant's doing it or my accountant just don't, you know, he would have told me about this or he or she would have told me about this. Unfortunately, this is such a a small niche kind of uh, service. And because it involves the engineering component, accountants cannot do it. So they may not only may, are they not doing it? They may not be proactive and more often than not are not proactive enough to go ahead and tell you in the first place that this is something you should be looking into. So right. if you're hearing this and this is the first time you hear this concept, do yourself a favor, speak to your accountant about it. See what, if they like, don't know what you're talking about. It might be time. If you're a real estate investor, it might be time to find a new accountant who is more real yep. estate savvy because again, there are so many incentives in the tax code for real estate investors that it's a shame to be missing out on them just because your accountant is not compliant. There's millions of incentives as far as dollar bills go. There's (laughs) a lot of incentives to have a good accountant and to do costs. I think that's really good advice. Awesome. So how do people get in contact with you? And I know you've already said it a few times, say your company name, you're, you're the big, you you work for the biggest company in cost seg, right? Yeah. So Madison specs specs is actually an acronym for specialized property engineering cost segregation. So as the dual play on words there with the building, uh, you know, specs there, we're based out of New Jersey. We're the biggest national company. So we have offices around the country and engineers stationed in different locations. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's the biggest place where I, where I hang out and provide value and content for uh, people. Reach out to me, Y Weiss at Madison Specs, if you would like to have a, uh, you know, a free estimate. Happy to help you. Perfect. I'll put all the links in, in the show notes as well so people can just click on the link and, and hit you up. Really quick though, I, I, I didn't get into this at, at the beginning, so I wanted to end with this. You said you have six kids. Tell me a little bit about your family life and what you've got going on personally. So my oldest is just about to turn 16. Oh, wow. And she's wonderful. Very helpful. Uh, my youngest is five. So we okay. have, you know, basically a couple years apart. We have five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine, 11, 13, 15, almost 16. So it's basically two years apart each. They're all great. Right. Five, four boys, two girls. That's, uh, you know, beautiful wife doing uh, all the good stuff, you know, a good wife does in the house. And, you know, we, she's very busy fortunate. With six. I mean, she's, she's busy. Yeah, she's, definitely she's working busy. overtime. Definitely working overtime does not get enough appreciation. That's for sure. For, for all the stuff that she does extremely supportive of everything we're doing. And, uh, you know, I love it. Enjoy, just enjoy the time I get to spend with them, especially at, you know, this whole lockdown and spending a lot more time than, ever ever imagined before yeah but 
but it, it's it's been a special time, a bonding time. So awesome, awesome. When did they first go to Jerusalem? So most of them are actually born here. Oh, so really? Okay, yeah. so you've been there a so while. Been, here, been quite a while. Yeah, I've been here for quite a while. Awesome. Okay. Very. So do they have dual citizenship then? Dual citizenship and they all fluent in English and in Hebrew and in Yiddish. So Very three cool. languages. Uh, we kind of speak a mixture of all of them at home. And, Very uh, cool. So it kind of helps out with... That's definitely awesome. helps out with the development of the mind. I, I believe having multiple languages it just mm-hmm. allows you to think many different ways because if you if you really know a language you're thinking in that language yeah and so it so that's uh that's important part of i think our our daily culture just being you know living in different kind of a different world different cultures and enjoying it awesome man awesome i I did a two-year mormon mission for my church in peru I remember getting home and still dreaming in Spanish, you know, I'd, I'd still dream in Spanish. And, and that's when you kind of realize that you had learned the languages you're over there and you start thinking in Spanish and you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I was just thinking, talking to myself in Spanish. That's kind of yeah, cool. So you'd have cool. a dream in Spanish. And so <laughs> kind of learned the, the Incan language as well, a little bit of the Quechua language as well. Uh, but one of my dreams is to take my kids to, to Jerusalem and Israel and actually travel the world and, that's why I invest in real estate. I have two kids and just take them and, and show them what the world's really about. I've never been to Jerusalem. I've, I've wanted to go for a very long time and, and that whole area. But we're going to take them on a one-year vacation here in the next three to four years. Maybe cool. stay somewhere for a while, you know, do an extended stay somewhere and, and show them what, you know, your guys' culture is about over there in Jerusalem. It's, it's really important, I feel, learning languages, but also learning what the world's about. You know, there's other people than just us Utahns, you know, yeah, <laughs> us absolutely. Mormons here in Utah. We're not the only people <laughs> in the world. And uh, so that's kind of my goal is to get that passive income up and be able to go and visit you in Jerusalem and and visit friends in Spain and, and uh, get to know other people's cultures. That's beautiful. So awesome. Well, hey, you've provided a huge amount of value I really appreciate you being on the show, taking the time for us. I'm going to, again, try to get you some business. We'll try and get you some people to, to reach out to you. I know I've got some investors that really should and really should take advantage of your services. So thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it, Sam. Thank you. 